Welcome to the Live Your Purpose podcast, featuring compelling interviews with big-hearted people in the Oklahoma City metro area who are leading, creating, and innovating on purpose. Get inspired by conversations with passionate difference makers from our local community. I'm your host, Charles Gossett, Life Purpose Coach and founder of Full Integration Coaching. On today's episode, we sit down with Marissa Mohi, a writer, blogger, and YouTuber with a passion for productivity and work-life balance. And now, the Live Your Purpose podcast. Welcome to the Live Your Purpose podcast. Today, I've got Marissa Mohi, who's a writer, a blogger, and a YouTuber. She's obsessed with work-life balance and showing writers that they can carve out space for writing and refilling the well, even if they have day jobs. She can be found at Marissa Mohi, that's M-A-R-I-S-A-M-O-H-I.com, youtube.com slash Marissa Mohi, or on Twitter or Instagram as at the Marissa Mohi. Welcome, Marissa. It's good to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you. I've been looking forward to this. That's awesome. I'm so excited that you started this podcast. I think it's going to help a lot of people. I hope so. I know that today will, you know, because you're on it. So it's going to be good. <laughs> and by the way, welcome to my new office. What do you think? I love it. There's a lot of sunshine. It's very cozy. I love your furniture choices. I'm going to ask you when we're done where you got your chairs. I so. will be glad to share that with you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, so uh, you may know we start these shows off with a kickoff question and you've chosen yours. And we'll do that and just see where the conversation takes us. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. Okay. So what makes you want to get out of bed in the morning? Um, So in in the literal immediate sense, it's my dog because she starts whining for breakfast at like 5.45 every morning. But what I really want to get up and do is I love getting up and getting to work on things that I care about. And so whether that's writing for my blog or working on my novel or outlining a video, I'll be real, I don't film uh, YouTube videos first thing in the morning. You know, you need a little bit of time to caffeinate and shower and get dressed just so you don't look like, uh, you know, terrifying on YouTube. (laughs) So yeah, I love getting up and just starting working first thing. And it took me a a long time to realize that that's what made me feel best uh, because I would get up and I'd make a cup of coffee and I'd sit on the couch and I'd watch the news. And then I would start to feel really sluggish or kind of anxious or sometimes even depressed because of it. And I realized that the first thing that I needed to do was do something that I cared about rather than uh, just letting something come at me. So I needed to create rather than to consume because I think that that's, that's what I'm here to do is to create. I love that phrase that you use, create rather than consume, along with, okay, so the dog wakes you up first. Right. <laughs> so priorities, right? Right. right. <laughs> and so the dog's taken care of, and as soon as the dog is taken care of, then you're on it. You're going to do a creative task of some kind. Mm-hmm. And it's not YouTube videos first. And so what are some of those things that you get started with that, that make you feel creative, that make you feel like you've gotten a good start on the day? I like to do something that I can tackle fairly quickly. I know that they say that you should, quote unquote, eat the frog, which is do the hardest thing on your to-do list first, but I, that doesn't work for me. I just procrastinate on that and I put it off all day until it's you know 6 p.m. and I haven't done anything and I feel terrible because I've just been putting that off. So instead, I like to do something that I can tackle pretty quickly, whether it's you know outlining a blog post or maybe even writing it if 
um, you know, if it's a topic that I feel I can write fairly quickly. Um, or sometimes I like to edit photos or maybe schedule some Instagram stuff. Uh, I am kind of addicted to productivity and to-do lists, and it's something that I am trying to work on because, uh, in a way, my productivity love is a little bit of self-sabotage because I'll think that I'm being more productive than I actually am because I'm just doing things for the sake of doing them and not actually thinking if they're, you know, leading to the overall goal. So that is a thing I'm personally working on. But if it is something that I know that it needs to be done, um, I, I like to do that first thing. So whether that's, you know, getting a blog post written or, you know, just outlining maybe a freelance story that I'm working on, it just feels good to have that done because then I feel like I can tackle the rest. Okay. Yeah. So is it fair to say you feel like you maybe have some momentum or an accomplishment or what, what, what language do you use to say, I know I've got a good start on the day? Mm -hmm. um, I think momentum is the best way to describe it uh, because I think early in the morning you feel like you have so much time, but it can also feel like you're climbing uphill and it's really hard to climb uphill, especially later in the day. So you want to, you know, get as much trail behind you, I guess. Uh, early on. So maybe it's momentum, maybe it's like avalanche, maybe it's snowballing, maybe I don't know what it is, you know? <laughs> yeah, so you do have momentum though when you get mm -hmm. started that way. And I know as a creative type myself, you know, doing this business, even this podcast, and being a writer and a creative person, a musician, that there can be all kinds of um, inhibitors to mm -hmm. creativity. And getting started right in the morning is a, is a great thing to be able to do. Mm -hmm. And so you mentioned it took you a while to figure out the magic formula or a good fit for you mm -hmm. in the mornings. What are some of the things that you needed to go through uh, that maybe didn't work that got you to where you're at now in that? Um, well, I think that one of the things I had to go through was um, I used to have a job that was, you know, eight to five, and now I teach at a university. So my schedule is kind of weird. It changes every semester. So just having the opportunity to maybe have some morning classes, but also have some mornings where I get to experiment. Uh, so just playing around with that schedule some days. So, you know, like waking up and thinking like, okay, maybe today I will work out first thing and see how that feels. And, um, you know, sometimes that feels great, especially in the summer time when it's hot and you don't want to work out later in the day, but it doesn't make me feel like I'm getting anything done. So um, I've experimented with that a little bit. I've also experimented with, um, you know, maybe doing all the administrative tasks of the day, like responding to emails and doing that first thing, just because those are things that'll really build up and things that um, I have a tendency to you know, just put off for forever for whatever reason. And, you you know, you think like, oh, I can't do that. I need, you know, three hours to answer all those emails. And then you give yourself 15 minutes and it's fine. But so I, uh, <laughs> I, I realized that I was giving, you know, my best, most creative self, which is like me first thing in the morning to either working out or uh, to emails or silly things like that. So I decided that it had to go back to, you know, creating. Yeah. Yeah, you figured out, so one of the things you mentioned there at the tail end was that you figured out your most creative times mm -hmm. of day, and you're really utilizing that to the best of, mm -hmm. of your ability. You know what works for you, and you've learned what doesn't. And so once you know that, for the, anyone who's listening in, once you know what works for you, do that. Mm -hmm. Play to your strengths. You already know if you found what doesn't work, then don't do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Unless you can figure out why that is, and it needs to work. But you're playing to your own rhythms and your own... Um, 
your strengths and what you found that is most effective for you. Mm -hmm. And that's, it's harder to do that than you would think because everybody these days is a productivity guru and there are just so many blog posts out there with like how you should approach your day or how you should tackle this if you want to be in whatever creative field. And if it works for that person, that's great. But if it doesn't work for you, don't try it, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, so you heard it here from both of us. <laughs> I, I've learned that too as well. So my most productive times of day tend to be from about 10 to 4, 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. to 4 p.m. So I'm a middle-of-the-day type of person. I can go all day when I need to. I have quite a bit of, of grit, uh, but that can lead to burnout. Mm-hmm. And, and once you're burned out, it's really hard to have new, innovative, creative thoughts and to get stuff done in an efficient manner. Mm-hmm. Well, good. So there's you know how you start your day. That make That's why you want to get out of bed in the morning. So mm-hmm. you describe some of that. Talk about some of the other work that you're up to. You've got so many great things going. You've got, you know, what you're doing with writing yourself, what you do for other writers, uh, YouTubing, blogging, etc. Pick any of those that you'd <laughs> like to head down that trail and we'll just follow it. Yeah. Okay. So um, I am a blogger and I blog a lot about work-life balance for writers with day jobs because I think that that is something that is very hard to learn and can feel kind of demoralizing when you're in the process of figuring it out. So just as, you know, it took me a while to figure out when I was the most creative, it took me a while to figure out how to balance, you know, having a day job and working on a big project and also being, you know, a human that has to go to the grocery store and clean the house sometimes because there's always so much to do. And uh, so I write a lot about that and how writers can, you know, kind of I don't want to say hack their way to uh, a sense of balance, but you know how they can prioritize the things that should be prioritized. And uh, one of my favorite quotes is from J.K. Rowling when somebody asked her how she managed to work full time, write the first few Harry Potter books, and raise her kids. Uh, and she basically said, "We just lived in squalor. My house was filthy, and that's because I had to prioritize writing at that time." And so, well, you know, nobody really wants to have a dirty house. I think that in some seasons of life, maybe that's what you need to have. You know, because without it, we wouldn't have Harry. Potter. That is a wonderful quote. I mean, I'm stunned. I I don't know that I've heard that, so I'm processing. And I know that for a while, you know, she really had some hard times. Mm -hmm. Um, If I remember right, she lived out of her car for a while and would write like all day in a cafe. Mm -hmm. I believe so, yes. Okay. So definitely fact check me on that, people. But I know that she went through a lot of struggles, but she remained committed to her sense of purpose or, or what she saw as her intention. And mm-hmm. I know you're a lot about intentionality too. And when it comes to work-life balance, having those your goals or your intentions squared away really helps you to know what your priorities are mm-hmm. is, is what I'm hearing from you. And so um, for those people that may have trouble with do-it-all-ism, they want to get everything done. Oh, and by the way, have a best-selling novel and always uh, have you know, a work in progress and the house clean, and the kids uh, fed, and all of these things. What are some advice that uh, some advice that you give to people with that do it all ism mindset? Oh man, it's so hard to break. <laughs> I'm still. Uh, I mean, I still fall prey to it. I think we all do. Um, so one thing to watch out for is just whether or not the thing you are about to tackle is going to get you to your end goal. So. I really like, you know, entertaining or hanging out with friends or having people over and making like the best cheese plate in the world. And for me, that's fun, but also I can spend way too much time on that. So if it's a day where I have to go teach and then I come home and I want to get a little bit of writing done before everybody comes over, I'm not going to have time to make this fancy pants cheese plate. So um, I, I, 
I think that there's nothing wrong with buying pre-made, you know, crackers and cheese cut, you know, so cut the corners where you can. Uh, it would be nice to have that fantastic cheese plate, but at the end of the day, that's not going to allow me to write. And that's the first thing that I need to be worried about. That's so good. And I know that I also, I think most of us do when we're really honest, we, we have good days and bad days and we follow rabbit trails. Mm -hmm. I know I do because, oh, that's shiny. How interesting is that? Uh, whatever that may be. Oh, I need to vacuum the hallway right now uh, while I'm trying to develop something, you know, on <laughs> mm -hmm. the side. And so I'm really distracting myself is part of the problem because what I'm doing is hard. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so uh, I think for me, a lot of creative block comes from this is hard and I'm resisting it. I'd rather be doing something else. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a tough rut to get out of when I don't recognize it. But if I stay committed, like you're saying, to those priorities, I'm, I'm always better off. Mm -hmm. I may or may not get the creative thing done or that priority completely finished, but at least I stayed on task and tried. That feels a little bit better uh, laying my head on the pillow at night knowing mm -hmm. that. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned resistance. Yeah. This is something that I have been coming up against a lot lately. And it's because uh, I'm trying to launch a service for writers. And there's a lot of, you know, back end setup and softwares that I'm learning. And I just wish every software could use the same user interface because <laughs> learning like three or four at a time is just it's driving me crazy. But I think that I've been using resistance uh, as a means to not do things or not look up things that I need to be looking up or just thinking like, oh, it's too hard or no, I really need to work on this. So uh, instead of focusing on these softwares that I need to learn and set up, I actually got like three months ahead on my blog post writing because I was like, oh no, this will be great. I'll have it done and I won't have to worry about it. And I mean, it is great, but also that was a silly way to use my time. Yeah. And we all do it. Mm -hmm. I do it too. There's a meme out there. And so I may uh, not be able to remember it exactly, but it says something to the effect of important project due uh, spends three hours looking for the perfect meme. Right. <laughs> and it is a meme, you know, so um, I made sure to, I, I present that every once in a while at talks because that's me at mm -hmm. times when I follow that. I'm like, I want to say this in the perfect way. I want it to be just right. That's one of the things I have to watch out for me, that perfectionism, making that perfect connection you know, having just the right message at just the right time. And there was a meme basically with my name on it. Mm -hmm. that said, oh, yeah, I do that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I knew what my priorities were. That was not it. Mm -hmm. you know, so um, that was helpful for me to run into that. So, okay, you um, blogging work about work-life balance. I know on work-life balance, I did want to ask you about this because uh, we share this passion mm -hmm. for personal retreat. Mm -hmm. Taking time to retreat, uh, whether it's an at-home retreat, whether it's away at some place like St. Francis of the Woods or elsewhere, uh, what role does that play in your life, in your creativity? And, and what are some of the things that you do while you're on retreat? Oh, it is so important. And I haven't, one of the goals I set, kind of uh, high apple pie in the sky sort of goal, was to do a retreat every month uh, away from home this year. And just financially, that was not in the cards because that's a lot of money. And uh, especially if you're trying to launch a business, you know, you, you got to get lean where you can. Uh, but I have been doing it at home and I actually just scheduled another one for next month at home. So it's just, I have to let my boyfriend know, here's the deal. I'm doing a, what I call a workcation, which is like a work vacation. Uh, cause it's not quite a retreat. There's still sounds down the hallway and, um, you know, I can leave and, uh, you know, go to the kitchen and chat with people. But, um, I just love 
hunkering down and, you know, lighting some candles. Um, I actually have one that is a Ravenclaw candle. That's my Hogwarts house. So, <laughs> so I light that one and, you know, kind of set an intention, maybe do a little meditation, a little prayer and, you know, get into those tasks. And, um, I just like to set up the space. I make sure it's clean first. My office is rarely ever clean at home. Like the desk, any flat surface is just covered with papers and I don't know where they come from, but they're always there and I don't know how to get rid of them. So I just make sure it's clean and then I get into whatever I want to get into. That's great. So you, you set, this is me talking, so you can correct my language, but there are, there are boundaries involved. You know, you set priorities and intentions and, and also boundaries and through you communicate like with your boyfriend you mm-hmm. let him know that you know this time you're not able to go on um away retreats mm-hmm. they're, they're cost prohibitive and sometimes they're at least for me even time prohibitive mm-hmm. i can do like a half day at home or or a full day at home but the drive time and spending the night somewhere sometimes i just can't do it mm-hmm. and so you have that and then you you also do uh, some of these rituals or routines that you have to let you know that I am retreating, you know, mm-hmm. you are retreating right now and it sets the vibe or, or that space, maybe it holds a place for you. And so in terms of being able to stay on retreat mode, I know how that can be at home. I do some of those at home too. Being able to stay on retreat mode while you're at home, what are some of the challenges you run into and then how do you get back into that mode? Um, so yeah, so (laughs) at home, especially one of the biggest challenges is probably my dog. Um, she is a 65 pound lap dog and, uh, I am her person. She loves both me and my boyfriend, but I am 100% her person. So she's always coming in the office and she has a bed in my office and if she'll lay down there, she gets to stay. Uh, but you know, about maybe three hours into her nap, she gets up and is trying to climb in my lap and wants to play. And so then I'll go, I might go out in the backyard, you know, just to get some sun for a few minutes and play with her. I I think you should always get a little bit of outside time with a retreat, just a little bit of vitamin D, a little bit of a reminder that there is this whole world out there and it's not just you in your office. It kind of gives you that perspective, but you know, if she is being really needy, then, you know, I just have to close the door with her outside and I can just hear her huffing the whole time. So I have to turn up the music a little bit louder. Um, Another issue though is that my boyfriend is a musician and not like a quiet musician. He's got a bass guitar and a drum set and um, a keyboard and he does, he creates a lot of music for, you know, um, websites and stuff like that and videos and online video. Uh, But you know, he'll just, you know, get in the groove and start playing stuff. And then, you know, you don't realize that he's about to hit that symbol or something like that. And then you spill coffee everywhere. So, um, I kind of have to let him know like, Hey, could today not be a drum day? Could today be a ukulele day? (laughs) So that's a little bit better. (laughs) Okay, good. Yeah. So you've got a lot of creative energy, you know, including sound Mm -hmm. in your, in your home environment. And so that's wonderful. That's a great descriptor. So for those that are listening in and they're thinking, you know, retreat. I don't have time to retreat. What a waste of time. How unproductive, right? <laughs> this is the last thing I need to do. And, and I'm always taking care of other people and, and whatever the message is. Uh, a lot of people balk at taking retreats, mm-hmm. whether they're at home or somewhere else for a variety of reasons. What are the, some of the reasons that you say yes to retreats? Oh, I can get so much more done at a retreat than I can if I stay home and work. And it's just, um, I think getting out of that environment or even kind of cleansing your environment to make it the retreat space for that particular day, I think that it just changes your mindset and 
it kind of lets everything else just melt away. So um, if I'm doing a retreat, I don't touch email. I don't care about it. And I try to hide my phone as much as I can, whether that's, you know, putting it on airplane mode or uh, leaving it in a completely different room because I just, I know that that's too much of a distraction and it's so easy to just, you know, scroll through Instagram when you should be writing or something else. Uh, Maybe not should be, should is a a word I'm trying to get away from, but when you're, you intend to be writing. So I think that it can feel like retreats are a waste of time, but if you take one, you will see how much you get done. And it's shocking. It, it just, you can get so much done in that time. And, um, I mean, I try to get stuff done every day, you know, like little by little, make it to your goal. But if you need to make a big push on either a writing project or, um, you know, maybe like some visual art, or you're trying to write a song, take a retreat of some kind, even if it's just, you know, you going to a coffee shop that you don't normally go to, that's quiet and see what happens. Yeah. So you're able to be super productive when you're on retreat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what, what causes that? I mean, how are you able to do that? What is different in that retreat space that you create that, that's a little different than your daily life? Mm-hmm. I think it's because I allow myself to ignore daily life. Mm. Um, so I do like to get away. I think St. Francis of the Woods is a great place to get away, especially since they don't have Wi-Fi, um, which I know is hard for a lot of people, but getting away from Wi-Fi really helps me because uh, then I'm just not on social media the whole time or I'm not over-researching. That's something I tend to do when I have something to write. Uh, so I could probably just, you know, bash out some sort of draft and it wouldn't be perfect, but I could get it done a lot faster if I didn't spend so much time kind of in analysis paralysis and researching for forever. So I think that it's just, there's like a little switch that flips in your brain when you do a retreat. It's kind of like, okay, this is my time. I get to use it how I want. And sometimes, you know, you might not get as much done as you intended, but also you're going to get way more done than if you're just at home, I think. So the, yeah, what I'm hearing is you're you're committed to fewer things is part of the deal with with, with retreat. You're limiting, and you have some internal agreement with mm-hmm. yourself, and you know you do your best to try to limit those distractions, whether it's the phone, TV, you know anything video mm-hmm. um, that's fun to watch, you know, and get lost in. Um, even reading books, you know, for writers and readers, um, that can be a distraction at mm-hmm. times. And, and all the cleaning, you know, oh, my house isn't clean and I'm, <laughs> and I'm on retreat. And maybe that's your intention to clean the house when you're at an at-home retreat. Uh, but if it wasn't, you know, then mm-hmm. it's still about, even if you're on retreat, staying true to those intentions and, and limiting the distractions. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. So um, other areas we can cover are many. <laughs> but, but I definitely wanted to hit the YouTube mm-hmm. experience. And so you have a lot of followers there. And a lot of content. So just tell me some about what you're YouTubing about and and what you're up to. Yeah. So um, YouTube is something that I never thought I would get into. I just, I didn't think I had the equipment or the attention span or the tech know-how. But um, honestly, if you own Apple products, you can probably get on YouTube pretty quick. So uh, I just use iMovie and I film all of my videos on my phone. And I know that that sounds incredibly... uh, janky, I guess, for lack of a better word, but also I'm never going to win an Academy Award for these YouTube videos, so I don't feel like I need to invest in a really fancy camera. Um, So yeah, so I decided to make that part of my platform because I started as a blogger and then we started hearing it was, um, you know, kind of the best practices of the web that if you have a blog, you should also introduce video content of some kind. And I thought I would give it a try. 
And so in my videos, they usually match up with the blog post in some way. Um, so like last week I did a post on the full-time writer mindset. So how you can kind of change your mind to think as a full-time writer would. And then I did a video about how to quit your job to write full-time. Uh, maybe it was a little bit, um, oversimplified. Like I think that it, the steps are correct, but it, it does take a while. You know, the video is only like eight minutes long. Um, <laughs> it's going to take you more than eight minutes to quit your job to write full time. Uh, but yeah, so I like to match up the content and YouTube is really great if anybody is interested in starting it because the community on YouTube is amazing. I think a lot of people fear posting on the internet because you feel like trolls are going to make comments or, you know, you're going to get cyber bullied, but YouTube has been over overall very good and very positive. I think it's because it is more of a community sort of feel, uh, just in that people on YouTube are searching for very specific things that they want to learn or they want to be entertained by. And if you have those words in your video title, they're ready to accept you, which is awesome. Yeah. And so you've had a, a, a very positive experience overall. And you mentioned the trolls. And that's, that's one of my fears, mm -hmm. honestly. There's a lot of vulnerability. There's a lot of fear that I have of once I, and I'm putting myself out there quite a bit right now, but to put myself out there regularly in video format and that's another level of courage or, you know, let me get ready to do that. When did you finally just say, you know what, I'm doing it? Well, so I had blogged for about eight years before I decided that I was going to jump on YouTube. So it did take a really long time, but um, I think... I think once I decided to do it, I was like, this is going to be worth it. It, it won't be bad. And um, also one thing that I always tell myself is, you know, the worst thing that could possibly happen probably already has happened in some way. So if you're afraid of being made fun of, like, there's no way as an adult it could be worse than it was when you were in middle school or high school, you know, and that was a lot more personal because those were like classmates that knew you. Um, so just on YouTube, if a random stranger with, you know, a fake burner account and no, uh, no profile picture says something mean, it doesn't hurt as much because you know that, you know, they are saying something mean, but they're not putting their real name or face behind it. So it's just an, a cowardly act, you know, just to, to poke you. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. And so when you started receiving those in the, in the beginning, you know, because we all do, I've been, mm -hmm. you know, I've received some of that too. When you started receiving those, how did you respond? Because where I love that mindset that you have now, you know, they didn't really have the courage mm -hmm. to be real and come out with who they are. Now, some people do, mm -hmm. but, <laughs> but, but when you started receiving those, how did you respond and, and sort of do you remember the process that you came through where you're like, you know what, it's okay, I'm going to keep doing this, I'm not worried about them? Yeah, so the first few ones I probably just deleted and got rid of because um, just having blogged for as long as I have and being on social media, um, my first social media account was a Zanga account, if anybody remembers those. So just, you know, being online for a really long time, you know that it's going to happen. So the first few I just deleted and didn't really think a lot about uh, just because, you know, it, they weren't saying anything that was super mean, but now when it happens, uh, I actually will screenshot it and then post it on another platform, like kind of to normalize it a little bit, because I know that there are some people who are afraid of that. And so just, you know, like it happens to me too. So here's how we deal with it. And it's kind of fun because, you know, somebody will say something really mean and then you get to correct their grammar or something like that on the other platform. So <laughs> 
So I'm following you on all of these platforms. And so those that are listening in, again, you're going to have uh, Marissa's information. We give it to you at the beginning. We'll, she'll give it to you at the end, and it'll be in the show notes. But you have about a dozen reasons to follow her right now <laughs> that, that I think are all spectacular. And uh, so the, here's just one more. You know, if, if, you're, if you're putting yourself out there and you're dipping your toe in the water, if you're taking that leap as a writer, as a creative, as a YouTuber, and you're really putting yourself out there, Marissa's giving you some great tips, and she's got a lot more if you hit her up and follow along with her, okay? All right, so um, where would you like to go next? I've got some ideas, but I don't want to take um, the direction away if you have something else that you wanted to bring up. Yeah, no, you're in the driver's seat. Okay, very good. I'm taking the tour. (laughs) Okay, great. Well, I can do that. So what are some of the um, talks that you've been giving? Where have you been speaking? What are you talking about? Because I know you're really getting out there from following along. I've, Mm -hmm. I've been to a couple of your talks what are you talking about? Where are you going? And, and how's that been? Yeah, so um, I've been talking mostly at blogging conferences or uh, at conferences where I can talk about blogging. So this year I did Launch Bloggers, which is a small free event for Oklahoma uh, bloggers and influencers. And then I did uh, the Books in Bloom Literary Festival, which is in Eureka Springs. It's a really awesome book festival. So if you can get out there, I recommend it. You get to meet so many interesting people. And Eureka Springs is fun. Um, then I did uh, Pecha Kucha, which is, um, it was invented by Japanese architects. And the idea is that you get 20 slides and 20 seconds per slide and they created it so people couldn't you know uh, abuse the microphone so to speak so that you had to just keep going so I did that um, I did ignite OKC which is very similar it's 15 slides for 20 seconds or maybe it's 20 slides for 15 seconds I can't remember um, so I did that this year as well uh, and then I did creative mornings which um, everybody should come to creative mornings one it's one Friday every month and you get to hear a talk from a really inspiring creative professional Um, And I'm not just saying that because I did the talk. Uh, (laughs) um, And I also did Megaphone Summit this year, which is a conference for bloggers and influencers in Bentonville, Arkansas. Wow, so you've really been getting out there. Of all these experiences, what what are some of the common threads if if there are folks that are looking especially to get out there and start Mm -hmm. talking um, as an influencer yourself, as a public speaker? Uh, what are some of the things that you've learned from giving these talks over the past, what, year or so? Yeah, I think that there's this fear that you can't give a talk because you don't know enough. And uh, if you know one thing, then you know plenty. So people don't necessarily want to hear from the experts. I wouldn't want to get social media advice from the person who created the social media platform. That would be really intimidating. They want it from people who have figured it out and, you know, figured out what works for them. I think it's the same for writing too. You know, it would be great to get advice from Stephen King, but he's had so much success and, you know, a lot of his success came at a time when the industry was fundamentally different from the way it is today. So he might have some fantastic stories of how he made it work but also it's not going to work for you so I think that you know saying okay here right now as a writer in 2019 who hasn't published a book here's what's working for me to get my name out there and to uh, find connections I think that just being able to be a relatable person on stage is more important than you know being an impressive name with all these accomplishments yeah I think that's so important I relate to that as well and just being who you are in front of an audience, it's really hard, mm-hmm. you know, to not come well armed with a bunch of facts and data. <laughs> and if you have titles, that's great. You can bring your titles with you. 
But I think to over-prepare and to try to seal off all questions and to have it all figured out, and which my mind loves to do. I love to rehearse in my head about what questions could come from the mm-hmm. audience. That's a gift, but it can also be a curse. Mm-hmm. When, I, when I just get really bogged down in that, and I'm like, oh, no, what if they really do ask that question? <laughs> and sometimes they have, you mm-hmm. know, and it worked out. Mm-hmm. It worked out. What are some of the... Um, what are some of the mistakes that you've made when you've been in front of an audience? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Can we go there? Is that okay? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Good. So this most recent one at Megaphone Summit, um, I sent in my presentation, and I use a font that nobody has because I purchased this font to use on my website, and I'm going to use it as many times as I possibly can because it was expensive, and I want to do that. And so I sent in the presentation, and then I thought, you know what? I should send it as a PDF. And so I sent it as a PDF, and the director told me, okay, so on Friday you need to go talk to the AV company and see what they need from you to make this font work. And then I didn't do it. And so when I was up there giving my presentation, it was just formatted so terribly. And like there were words cut off and I just felt like an idiot. And um, I mean, I apologized for it and made a joke about it. And um, it, I felt bad. But you know what? At the end of the day, I still got um, a couple of people who are interested in working with me from... Uh, so to have their to consult with them on their social media. So you know, even the most embarrassing mistake. I guess that wasn't the most embarrassing mistake. Like my hair didn't light on fire or anything. So we're good there. But even something embarrassing like that, good stuff can still come out of it. That's so true. And thanks for sharing that and going there. That's that's a lot of vulnerability and courage. And it really, it's experience. Mm-hmm. It happens. We come through it. Thousands and thousands of people give talks and they make mistakes and they come through them. Mm-hmm. Especially, that's, you know, public speaking to me is a form of performance. Uh, any, anytime you're standing in front of people and doing something, you're probably performing. Mm-hmm. You're showing them how to write or talking about how to write or playing a musical instrument um, and, and many other things. You're, you're doing something for that audience, you know, and so you're going to be on center stage. People are going to be watching you. But also, more often than not, what I've learned is that people are pulling for you. Mm-hmm. If you have that rapport and if you're being real on the front end, they're likely going to let you make a few mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know, I've thought that people were just going to judge me so hard. In my own mind, it's judgmental of myself. You know, but when I got up there, I'm like, yeah, I made some mistakes today and I don't think anybody noticed. That's the beauty of it. So if you don't apologize for the mistake when you're giving the talk, nobody knows you made it because they weren't there rehearsing with you. They didn't, they weren't helping you create the slides. They don't know what's going on. So yeah, it's, you know, you can mess up a lot before anybody is aware of it. It's so true. I've learned that myself. I was giving a, a big talk, not to talk a lot about me, but I want to relate. Uh, a big talk in Oklahoma City at a nonprofit, and I had my, my slideshow, and it was everybody could see it behind me. I was on a stage, and I could see it at the back end of the room. And uh, I had my notes, and I needed these notes, and they were on paper, right? So I had my hands free so that I could use them like I'm using now while we're mm-hmm. talking. And I started to talk, and I introduced myself, and I wanted to develop that rapport. It was a half round stage, and I went to one edge of the stage. And I was very far away from my notes, <laughs> which were on the podium at center stage. And I stopped and I thought, oh my goodness, you know, because I had bullet points and they were very minimal. I wanted clean slides. Well, they were very clean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I remembered some of it and then moseyed back over to center stage. They had no idea I was sweating bullets mm-hmm. up there at that point. 
Mm-hmm. And the talk worked out just fine. Yeah. See, that's so important to remember. So um, one of the things I teach with m- the class I teach right now is uh, giving presentations. And students always want to apologize and they want to memorize everything they're going to say. And you just can't. Um, you're going to really trip yourself up if you try to memorize. But if you know like your main talking points or you know you have them written down somewhere where you can access them easily, it's going to go so much more smoothly than it would if you were... Um, you know, memorized it or, you know, wanted to apologize every time you slipped up because you're going to slip up a lot. Yes. And I do all the time, but now it's, it's like jazz. Mm -hmm. It's improv. (laughs) You know, I know, I know what my content is good enough, Mm -hmm. you know, and I may have some anxiety, some performance or some speakers anxiety before I go on, but that's just part of the process that I've become familiar Mm -hmm. with, you know, and not apologizing, please. I'm sorry, but don't apologize. (laughs) You know, that doesn't work mm-hmm. because people feel nervous then and they may not trust you. You know, they, they want you to win. But when you start showing that, oh, I don't have my stuff together, then they're like, eh, I'm a little disengaged now and I'm not sure that I trust you. And you're making me feel nervous and I don't like that feeling. Mm-hmm. And so I can't listen to you anymore. Exactly. So be vulnerable. Don't be sorry. Yep. Very good. And vulnerability, what does that mean to you? Like, what are some ideas that come to your mind about vulnerability? Um, for me, it means being 100% myself uh, because just the way I grew up in the environment I grew up in, uh, fitting in was kind of my safe space. And I mean, I think that that's, it's that way for a lot of people growing up because even if you're just, you know, slightly weird or not into what everybody else is into, it can be really hard in elementary school and you don't really know why because you don't have, you of all those emotional coping mechanisms yet so fitting in becomes your default and I realized I was doing that until about the age of 29 <laughs> so for a really long time so lately I've been trying to really focus in on what it is I want and expressing that to other people which is something that I'm not really used to and you know just being open and honest and I'm probably my most open and honest online just because I don't have to look somebody in the eye when I'm doing it it makes it so much easier but in doing that it's made it a lot easier for me in a lot of forums I will say that um, there are some forums where it's still I'm not, uh, especially at my day job, I think everybody is a little bit fitting in at your day job just for, you know, uh, survival sake, (laughs) you know. So, um, yeah, I think for me being vulnerable is just being who I actually am and not kind of hiding it behind who I think everybody wants me to be. Mm -hmm. So that authenticity is one word for that, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, One word that comes to my mind, it's really from the definition, vulnerability literally means like unguarded Mm -hmm. it means with your hands down you know in in like a posture in terms of you know if there's a fight your hands are down and it's being willing to uh, be wounded you know being open to attack but you also mentioned an important point and that's not always Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that I always have to be completely vulnerable and completely myself there's times when it's really important that I don't disclose or open myself to potential harm from other people, uh, like if it's in the workplace, mm-hmm. you know what, we're just here to do a job. You don't need to know this part of me. I'm going to keep this to myself. You have your own stuff as well. It's just better for both of us. Right. And I think that um, that's really important to, to recognize is some people are not your friends and you don't have to open yourself up to them. However, as an artist and a creative, you do have to open yourself up to a bunch of people, uh, especially with your work. And so just 
kind of saving yourself the trouble of having to deal with people who don't necessarily deserve to see you at that vulnerable stage. I think if you're in in an environment where fitting in makes more sense, go for it because you need to save that for your work. Um, I will say that you do want to be able to be vulnerable with, you know, your friends and loved ones and family as much as you can, depending upon, you know, your situation. But, you know, definitely at the day job or like at the grocery store, you don't have to be real with anybody. Just get what you need to do and then get out of there. (laughs) Right. It depends on the task that you're doing and the, and the word that I use is the role that you're in. You know, mm-hmm. if, if I'm a shopper, if that's the role that I'm in, I, I have parts that I can connect with that are still me. And I may or may not share something with a stranger. You know, I'm mm-hmm. going to try to treat people kindly. You know, I, I want to carry that value around with me. But I, I may not just disclose something randomly to them about my day that's, you know, in, intimately personal or something like this. We're just functioning at, at, as shoppers in, in the same place at the same time. Mm-hmm. Whereas at home with my wife, you know, with my loved one, I try to disclose as much as I can without just dumping. You know, <laughs> you know, as an empath, sometimes I can be subject to dumping mm-hmm. on my loved ones. And I'm really trying to, be, I've tried to consistently uh, remain conscious of that so that they can have their own life and tell me what they need to tell mm-hmm. me. Yeah, so <laughs> it works out a whole lot better that way. You know, much healthier relationship. Who knew? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've had to learn that. So really good. So um, one of the other things I wanted to talk about are, you know, any collaborations you have going on, creative collaborations, people that you're working with in the community stuff you're up to that you wanted to let listeners know about? So right now, um, I don't have any collaborations on the schedule. However, if you are in the Oklahoma City area, I'm interested to know what you're looking for when it comes to help with your writing. And I would love to meet up with people to talk about possibilities. Um, I have some friends, uh, Marnie Vinge of Irioki. We've been talking about potentially kind of creating our own um, writer's workshop and talking about different elements of writing because she does a completely different style of writing that I do. Um, So she would talk about, you know, kind of horror thriller writing and also how to organize a podcast because she's been podcasting for a while and she's had a lot of success with it. Um, And then I would talk about, you know, blogging and then uh, maybe freelance writing a little bit just because that's kind of my comfort zone, what I've been doing for so long. But um, yeah, we would really like to help the community in any way that we could. And we want to see what people are interested in, you know, service wise or event wise, because there should be more writing meetups or writing workshops in Oklahoma City. Um, somebody emailed me today and asked me what I knew and I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> what I'm hearing is you need me to do this and I will, but you got to wait till 2020. <laughs> right. So it's on the planner. You mm-hmm. know, the need is there and surely the market is at some level. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's creative people everywhere that are writing, that are blogging, that are, are looking a way to hone their craft or just dip their foot in and learn more about it. And so uh, as, as was said, you know, hit Marissa up. She'll, we'll give her contact information here in just a few minutes. And uh, if you're someone in the community that has that need, if you want to be a part of something like this that she's describing with Marnie Vinge, who will be a guest on an upcoming show. Ooh, exciting. I know, I can't wait. And so definitely hit her up and give her your ideas. Or um, if you're somebody that wants to be a part of that process in some way, shape, or form, definitely do it. Because I agree, you know, part of the, the reason of this, uh, that, I'm, that I have the Live Your Purpose podcast, is to bring folks just like you on the show and connect with the local community and get more stuff done that matters, that's mm-hmm. meaningful, that's purposeful, that's creative, that, you know, does something good for the world. <laughs> and this is one small way to do that. So I'd definitely reach out to her for that. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
I wanted to also cover this area with you. Um, your aspirations. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned 2020. And so I was thinking how to frame this. Um, I'll just say it like that. What are your aspirations for the coming year? What do you look forward to in 2020? Uh, what do you hope to be doing? Yeah, so at the end of this year, so in December, I will be quitting my day job uh, to go full-time as Marissa. That's kind of what I'm calling it for now because there's a lot of tiers of what's going to be going on. So um, I'll still be blogging and YouTubing. Um, I'm going to be doing some freelance writing. I've been working with a lot of local publications, but I've got my eyes set on maybe a few national ones. Uh, I want to keep working on my novel. Um, I'm going to start publishing personal essays on Medium and just um, my goal is if you've read On Writing by Stephen King, he's got that whole section about events of his life that made him a writer. And so I'm going to do blog posts about things that happened that have made me a writer or maybe just made me who I am today because I think that's a lot of, you know, all of it kind of goes into the writing, I guess. So I'll be doing that. Um, I'm also launching a, I guess I'm going to call it a consulting service for now because I'm not really sure what it's going to be called yet, but I will be working with writers to either help them um, you know, with different aspects of their project, whether it's outlining or, uh, you know, how to structure their project or what they need to do to build that writing habit up so that they can be more productive uh, or helping, you know, build their online platform because a lot of writers, you know, write the novel and then they're told, oh, now you have to market your work and then that's kind of the kiss of death to the writer. So um, there are some easy ways around it for sure. So if that's a service you're interested in, I will be offering that as well. Oh, that's all exciting stuff. And so I can see it. I can see 2020. Mm -hmm. right? I can see Marissa <laughs> uh, in 2020 doing all these great things. Um, so I did also want to hit this. What are some of the you know, online platforms, publications? What are some of the um, places that people can find your writing? Who have you written for and where can they find out? Yeah, so um, I've written extensively for The Lost Ogle. Either you love them or you hate them, and I understand on either side, either way. It's very polarizing. Uh, so I've got a lot of work up there, and I'm actually a co-host on their podcast as well. Um, and I will be writing a lot for Oklahoma today. I'm actually working on a story as we speak about the Oklahoma Library for the Blind and Physically Handicapped. So super excited about that. If you listen to Alex's episode, you probably heard about it a little bit. Um, and uh, I'm also, I work pretty closely with Visit OKC, which is our tourism bureau. Uh, one of my, you know, high apple pie in the sky sort of dreams is to be a travel writer someday. So uh, definitely you know, looking into some opportunities there. Ooh, how exciting is that? We've got to hit that for a couple of minutes. Mm -hmm. Travel writer. So what do you want to be doing? Uh, where do you want to go? Yeah, um, I am not sure yet. Okay. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out like the niche that would be best for me. I would love to do a series on uh, writer retreats. I think that that would be a really fun sort of travel category. Uh, but I know that, you know, that's a very niche topic, but I think it would, I think it would do well with my audience. So I would like to do that. Um, right now, the way the travel writing industry works is there's not a whole lot of money in the publications anymore, unless you've got like one of those big names that's been in the business for forever. Um, so you have to work a lot with tourism bureaus and uh, PR companies. So it's kind of, I'm trying to figure out how I can break in that way. I think it'll be um, very similar to what I've been doing with Visit OKC, but it's just kind of relearning the industry because when I went to school, that's not how you did it. So, <laughs> Well, that is another exciting piece that you've got in the works. So plenty to do in the upcoming year. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to be following along. 
And for those that also want to join you on your journey, how can they uh, reach out to you? How can they stay in touch? Yeah, um, so you can always follow me on my blog at marissamohi.com. I'm on YouTube at youtube.com slash marissamohi. And then on Instagram and Twitter, I am at the marissamohi. If you're old school and you just want to email me, you can email me at heyo at marissamohi.com. So that's H-E-Y-O at marissamohi.com. Okay. Well, Marissa, this has been such a pleasure having you on the show. I've learned a lot about you today. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to listen in and, and hear what I learned. You know, so <laughs> I was in the moment for now. Right. <laughs> so it was, it was really a pleasure. Thanks for being with me today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. You've been listening to the Live Your Purpose podcast. I hope you've been inspired by my conversation with today's guest. If you like what you hear, please share with your social networks and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Charles Gossett, Life Purpose Coach and founder of Full Integration Coaching. To learn more about the life coaching, public speaking, and retreat services that I offer, visit FullIntegrationCoaching.com. And you can follow along with me on Facebook and Instagram at Full Integration Coaching. Until next time, remember, you were meant to live on purpose. Start living yours today.